You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. We've been in a little series here, I think this is about the third week, talking about salt, light, and leaven. And the point of this, we've, been, we've laid a lot of foundation, but the point of this, Jesus said that uh, to Christians, he said, we are the salt of the earth. He, uh, he, used, he used leaven as an example, as an, an illustration of how the kingdom of God works. He told us that he, and what we're going to look at today, he said that he is the light of the world. And he turned around and said, we are the light of the world. And we're going to talk about that today. The idea is that all three of these uh, items, all three of these elements have strong natural characteristics. Salt carries flavor, right? Salt carries flavor. Uh, Light is light. It breaks darkness. Leaven, a little tiny bit of it mixed into a large batch of dough changes the nature of the entire batch. Salt does the same thing for food. It flavors food. And we've been talking about the fact that each one of these things, just a small part of it will completely change whatever, whatever the environment is that it's put into. And the reason that Jesus used this kind of terminology for us is because, and we've been talking mostly about salt, is that I believe what God wants to do is sprinkle us that we carry him. We carry his flavor. We carry his nature and his characteristics on the inside of us. And he sprinkles us out into all the places that you go, that you work, that you interact, wherever it is, whatever your sphere of influence is, you carry something that can transform that environment. You carry a part of God with you and he is is sprinkling us, us out into the world. And, and kind of the point of this is that we need to be aware on a daily basis. We need to be aware wherever you go, whatever you do, we come with this awareness that this environment can be transformed by the God in me that I carry into this situation. And that doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers, that you have to uh, know how to impact whatever environment you're being put into. You may not know how to fix the environment in the place that you work or in your extended family or in your own life. You may not know how to fix that or how to say all the right things or even pray all the right prayers for that. You may not know that, but you are carrying something. You are carrying the presence of God that has life-giving, transformative power wherever you go. And if we're aware of that, then he can bring the details. He can show us, you know, what to say, what to do, when to pray for somebody, when to give a gift, when to love on somebody, whatever, whatever it might be. He can show us how that goes. And I just wanted to add to this today, and this is something that we may just, um, we may just take this up as a standalone thing at some point and talk about it. But I really believe that there are two cornerstone questions that we need to be, we need to have at the forefront of our thinking. We need to be asking them all along the way. And the first one is, God, who are you? And, and by that, I mean, we, we should grow all of our 
lives. We should be able to, as we interact with him, get to know him better, understand him better, uh, have his presence um, residing in us. Uh, this is a terrible way to say this, in a, in a stronger and stronger measure. Um, just know him better. Paul said over in Philippians chapter 3, it is my determined purpose, my determined purpose to know him and to know the power that flows out of his resurrection. And it was this idea of an ever-increasing knowledge, intimate relationship with God and an ever-increasing knowledge of the power that's flowing out of his resurrection, which is what influences uh, life and, and is transformative both in us and in other people. So I think that, you know, we need to be asking that question, God, who are you? So our whole life we're walking along and, and we're understanding that God wants to continually reveal himself to us. And that's what our Christian life, that's the real heart of our Christian life is knowing God. And then the second question is, God, what are you doing or what do you want to do? in every situation that we walk into. Lord, what are you doing here? And, and if you're not asking the first question, God, who are you? Then you're probably going to ask the second question from the wrong place. Uh, I want to make real clear today. And of course, we talk about this a lot around here. If we come into a difficult situation, we come into a situation, uh, a relationship that's in decay or somebody who's sick or or we come into a situation where there's something there that we know is not God's plan for that, for that person, that individual, that family, that church, that town, whatever it is. We come into that and we start asking, God, what are you doing or what do you want to do? We're not saying, God, why did you cause this sickness? Why did you cause uh, this marriage to fall apart? Why did you cause that? And that's, again, that's a theology I think is totally off base. We know that Jesus said he comes to give life and give life more abundantly. And he didn't walk around making people sick and he didn't walk around. He did say he, he, we had to make a decision that he brings truth and that causes us. He said, I've come to bring a sword. And sometimes that does divide relationships. That's a whole different thing from all of the other things that we run into that are just damage in relationships that God never intended. So my point is, that as we're asking that question, we're not asking God, what was your intent in bringing this destruction? We don't believe he did that. We're saying, God, how do you want to address this destruction? How do you want to address what's going on here? Because we are, I, I'm available to you in any way that you want to use me. I, I, I will be salt in that situation if, if you want to salt that situation through my life. I will bring whatever you want to bring. I will pray over that situation. I am here knowing that I am to be partnering with you and what you're doing in this earth. So I need to know what you're doing in this earth. Does that make sense? So just those two things, if we can just, you know, it, it helps us be aware every time we walk out the door and we're busy and you've got kids to deliver and a job to do and all the stuff that you have to do, we want to have this awareness that God is sending us into situations and releasing us into situations to be salt, to be light, to be leaven, right? So I think asking those two questions really helps with that. So today, uh, let's talk about this idea of light. The scripture, the New Testament, well, and the Old Testament, has a tremendous amount to say 
about this. And so we've just brought these two verses up. I want to touch on them again, and then we'll dig into this a little deeper today. John chapter 8, verse 12, and this is from the Amplified Bible. It says, once more, Jesus addressed the crowd, and he said, I am the light of the world. We already made the point that this term world is different from where Jesus said we're the salt of the earth. They're, they're describing two different aspects there. This term world uh, is the world's system. It is its economies, its governments, its societal issues, its technology. It's everything that is going on in the world's system. He's saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light, not from the world, but into the world, breaking forth into the world. I am the light of the world, and he who follows me will not be walking in the dark, but notice this, will have light. Okay, people who are following Jesus, Jesus said, Jesus promised, you will have light. All right, we know that light makes things visible. Light brings illumination. Light helps us to make, be able to make good decisions about where we walk and, you know, not tripping over things and, and see things as they are. It brings out color. It does a lot of things. Light does a lot of things. He is saying, those who follow me, we're Christ's followers, I will give you, you will have light. So there's something for us here. Jesus is giving us light. Light essentially in these types of scriptures, it speaks of spiritual illumination. It speaks of the ability to perceive things from God's perspective, to see God's view of, the, of reality around us. Remember that um, when we talk about the word truth in the, in the scripture, God's word is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We talk about that term truth in the New Testament. It, it means reality because who God is, what God has said, God's perspective on anything, that's reality. That's an, he has an eternal perspective. Okay, The way he says it is, that's the way it is. And we either yield to that and accept that or we fight against that, but it doesn't change what he has said. It doesn't change who he is. That is reality. And light in this context is the idea that when Jesus comes into our life, one of the things he does in us, one of the things the Holy Spirit does in us, is he illuminates our heart. He begins to give us the ability to perceive things the way they really are from God's perspective. He starts to reveal things on the inside of us. So he says, you will have light. And then it says that light, which is life. And that's just that several times uh, in the New Testament, John brings this up a fair amount, that the life of God, the, it's, it's from the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E. It means eternal life. And that doesn't just mean a long period of life. Eternal life is a, you can't extinguish eternal life. It is a primary life. It is, it is, there's nothing that we can do to extinguish the life of God or get rid of the life of God. You can ignore it. You can turn away from it. You can reject it. But you're not going to change it. It is eternal life. And the scripture tells us that this, that, that life is the light of men. It is, it is 
when his life comes into us, it gives us the ability to perceive things from God's perspective. We start to have God's wisdom and understanding and it comes, you know, it comes little by little and when we need it and, and all of that. But he says here, if I'm the light of the world who follows me, will not be walking in the dark. We don't have to stumble around in confusion. You don't, we don't have to live that way. You will have light. So this is something that is coming into us. And then in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Okay, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So the idea here is that when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, re receive him into our lives, he gives us light. And then the result of that is we become light to the world. We carry light to the world. It's interesting that he said, you are the light of the world. He didn't say, try to be the light of the world. He didn't say, uh, he, he said, he addressed our identity. And Jesus is always addressing our identity. What he does for us, he didn't come just to fix our behavior. He came to change our identity. And from that new identity, different behavior comes out. Godlike behavior comes out. But we have to, we really only grow in our, 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 our behavior and our attitudes and all of that really only changes as we increasingly understand what he has done in us and for us and who he has made us to be. You're always going to live out of your, your identity, who, who you, how you see yourself. And so it's so important that as we spend time with him, we see who he is more. It also changes, we realize that we're, we're made in his image. We're new creatures in him. That, that all of that is, is being deposited in, in us and working out through us. So he says, he says, you are the light of the world. All right, so we first have light and the result is that we become light. And the interesting thing about that is light doesn't have to strive to be light. You know, it doesn't groan and strain and try to break darkness or you know, give us, illuminate the room. It's just light. Salt doesn't have to struggle to be salt either. It just is salt. Salt isn't going around trying to think of what's the most salt-like behavior that I could think of. Okay, I'm going to do that. All right. And yet we as believers, a lot of times go around just trying to think up what Jesus, what would Jesus do? Well, let me think about it for a while. Nah, let's ask him. Let's let Jesus be Jesus through us, okay? And, and I'm not saying don't look, you know, we definitely need to be looking at who he is and soaking in that and all of that, but it shouldn't be a struggle. You are, you are, light is light. And when it is released, it breaks darkness, it is the nature of light to break darkness. It is the nature of salt to make things salty. It is the nature of the believer to release the life of God, which is light into their world. And, and one of the things that does is it keeps us from struggling so hard. Am I doing all the right things? Am I, am I praying all the right things? Have I got all the right ideas? Do I have all the answers? Probably not. And yet, I don't know, God likes working with us. You know, I mean, he's been working with imperfect people all this time. 
And he's getting his work done through us. He loves it. So, so we can take some comfort and, and chill out a little bit about, I'm not, I'm not saying, I think you get what I'm saying. I'm saying go out there intentionally, but the intentionality is to make yourself available. The intentionality is to get to know him. The intentionality is to remember day in and day out when you are busy that you are light, you are salt, you are leaven, and God wants to release his nature through you. Does that make sense? Good. I'm just If one of you got it, that's awesome. Batting uh, one. <laughs> so here's some things we know about light from the scripture. Um, God's life is the light of men. That's uh, John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In him was life. Life was the light of man. Light shines in the darkness. The darkness is not understood at the Amplified. says so something like it hasn't comprehended it, absorbed it, extinguished it. Okay? So again, the life of God is, is the light of man. And Jesus has given that to us and it begins to come out from us. This term darkness is really used to describe any environment that's unaffected by or resistant to the life of God. Any environment, whether that's a, a person, that's unaffected by or resistant to the life of God, then they're, they're going to be walking in darkness. When Jesus comes into our life, he says, you're not going to walk in darkness anymore. Okay, whether that's a city, whether that's a demonic presence, uh, there's a kingdom of darkness, there's a prince of darkness, there are all these different things. Uh, in any case, it is, it is an environment where the life and light of God is being resisted. Okay, and this, the scripture says that uh, that light is never absorbed by darkness. It is never extinguished by darkness. It is never put out. Darkness doesn't even get it, can't even comprehend who God is and what God is doing. Can't even comprehend who he is. And that's true whether it's darkness on the inside of a person or whether it's the kingdom of darkness. Okay, um, you know, we talk uh, in the earth, we talk a lot about enlightenment and we talk about, and in most cases, not all cases, but in most cases where that's used, all it means is that human understanding apart from God is being accepted and lifted up. And so we'll say, oh, I'm we're really enlightened now, you know, and yet when you look back through history, it's like, Really? Because we're still doing the stupid things that we've been doing for thousands of years, you know. And, and most of that is human knowledge apart from God being lifted up. And it's called enlightenment. Genuine enlightenment only comes through revelation. It comes through the presence of God uh, coming into something. Jesus even said over in Matthew chapter 6. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I just found it interesting. He, he talked about how... Uh, the eye is the lamp of the body that, you know, we're letting what, we've, what we focus on, what we're looking at is we're drawing light into our lives. We're drawing some kind of understanding and revelation. He says, if the light that's on side, inside of you is actually darkness, in other words, if what you're drawing in as an understanding of light and all that is just the world system without God, if you're building that up on the inside of you, he said, wow, how deep is that darkness? You know, so so when what what the Lord is wanting 
is for us, again, to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, allow him to come in, and allow him to begin to illuminate our hearts and our minds and receive what he's saying to us. Scripture tells us it's Psalm 119, 130. It says the entrance of his word gives light. So when the word comes into our heart, it releases illumination. It shows us how life really works. Or a lot of times it shows us how we really work, which is pretty scary. You know, it, it sheds light on the inside and it also sheds light on, on life, on how things, how things really work. It's, it's awesome. He wants to give us light, okay? So when light comes into our life, when the New Testament talks about this, one of the ideas in the Greek New Testament is that light gives us the ability to use light. In other words, one of the things about vision for us is that if our eyes are blind, if there's not an organ in our body adapted to the use of light, you can be in a room full of light, but you still can't see because your eye doesn't work, right? And so there's the Bible talks about spiritual darkness. It talks about spiritual blindness. It talks about so, so the idea is one of the things that happens when Jesus comes into our life is he actually gives us the capacity to use the light and the life that he brings into our lives. Does that make sense to you? So he, so he actually transforms our, our spirit man so that we now can perceive what God is saying and doing. And if you look at, um, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, the man without the spirit. So this is a person who has not received Jesus. This isn't being critical. This is just stating a fact. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. Just doesn't accept them. For they are foolishness to him. Have you ever run into that? I've run into that a lot. Bringing a spiritual truth to somebody, uh, uh, you know, a, a way to live or a way to, to help with your marriage or your finances or your, whatever it is you're facing, you know. And it's just rejected because, well, that seems crazy. Uh, you know, I mean, we talk, we, you know, we have a little teaching about, the, about tithes and offerings. I mean, it's just a great example. It's, it's, I remember when the Lord started doing that with me. He started talking to me about, I was, I was talking to him about the fact that I was broke all the time. Couldn't make it paycheck to paycheck. And he said, I want you to start taking the very first 10% out of your check and putting it away. And then I'll show you I wasn't involved in a church. And he said, I'll show you where to, where to give it up the road. And as soon as I started doing it, and I know it doesn't, I know this isn't everybody's experience. He was just being good to me, but this is what happened. As soon as I started doing that, I started having money left over at the end of the pay period. Not a lot of money, but I had money left over from being way short. And it was like, every time I went to the store, all the stuff that was on my list was on sale. And just, just goofy stuff. I didn't get a, a pay raise. I didn't get any of that. But I mean, it was just one of those things where here's this truth and it actually works. And I didn't reject it. I didn't say, well, that sounds really stupid. I'm saying I'm broke and you're saying give away money, you know? And, and so I, I didn't approach it that way. And so the, I received it. But it says here that when you don't have the Spirit of God, those, those concepts of God, of salvation, of him dying for our sins, of, of certain things that, you know, oh, I just want to do this so I don't think it's sin. You know, I love this person, so I think I should be able to sleep with him. Well, 
God says it's sin, but that's foolishness to the person who doesn't have the Spirit of God. It's just, it says it's foolishness to them. They cannot understand them because those things are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2.14, they're spiritually discerned. Well, when light comes into our life, the first thing that happens is we're given the capacity to use it. Our eyes are open. Blindness is, is taken away, Okay. And that, that's just one of the very first things First, Second uh, Corinthians 4, 4 talks about how the God of this world, Satan, wants to blind the minds of unbelievers to keep, keep them from being able to use the light and the life of God. All right, so this is one of the things we know about light from the scripture is that it comes and it gives us this capacity. All right, so he restores that capacity to use light he brings light to us. He, um, light from him breaks spiritual blindness and breaks spiritual darkness on the inside of us. And, and then the final one is just that he came. The reason he came, you need to get this. Don't go to sleep on me yet. The reason he came was to undo the works of darkness. And this is where we come in as the light of the world. He came to undo what the spirit of darkness, what the devil is trying to do in people's lives. He came in to break that, to set them free from that, to bring them into his life and his light and give them the life that he intended for them. And so what does it look like when he says, I'm gonna, you will have light, and then you are the light of the world, what does it look like? And I want to give you an example from John chapter 9. And I'd encourage you to go over there, get ready to take a few notes. I'm going to go through this. This is going to be different than the interpretation of these verses that many of you were raised with. These verses are often used to try to tell people that, see, God does bad things. He 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 makes people sick so that he can show that he can heal people, for instance. And these verses are often used for that. It's not at all what they say. But what this is, is an example of Jesus coming into a situation and breaking the darkness and releasing this person, giving, in this case, this person physical sight. So we're starting in John chapter 9, verse 1. Let's see, I'm reading this uh, from the New King James Version. It, I love this. It, it says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. So he was just walking by. They weren't looking to find somebody who was, who was blind from birth. He and his disciples are just, you know, this is how we live our life. As we pass by, he saw. The Spirit of God just drew his attention to this person. As he passed by, he saw. I think, I think we miss a lot of things that we pass by every single day. But it says, as Jesus was passing by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him this question. They asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that, notice those two, those two words, but that are the key to this whole thing but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. 
And he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so he went and washed and came back seeing. So the disciples come along and they, you know, they, they find this guy and they ask this question, but they only gave him two options to answer. Said, okay, here's this guy born, from, born blind. Who sinned? Okay, it had to either be him or his parents. Those are your two options, Jesus, who sinned? And the way this is written in the Greek, he gave a one-word answer. He said, neither. Okay, so he's already saying, your interpretation of this situation is totally off. All right, at that time, they believed that if somebody was born blind, that it had to be the judgment of God. God did it. God made the person blind. And it had to be the judgment of God for sin. And they were asking, could it, you know, is it his or, uh, or his parents? And I don't know. I've read different theories about it, but I don't know how it would be his since he was born blind because he didn't have time to sin. But at any rate, those were the two options that they had. They had a theology in their brains that said, somebody's born blind, God did it, number one. And number two, it's almost certainly judgment from God on this, on somebody's sin. Somebody blew it. And so God's response to that was, uh, to make them to make them blind, okay? So what they were saying is this blindness is the work of God. They didn't even question that. They said this blindness is the work of God. Jesus, whose sin was it? You know, that was their question, not where did this blindness come from? What do you want to do here, Jesus? None of those questions. Just We're just curious about where it came from. Who sinned, you know? But, but we're sure that the blindness was the work of God, okay? And it had to be the result of somebody's personal sin. The problem with that kind of interpretation, and people do it all the time, still today, a lot of people hold a theology that says if somebody's sick, maybe it was sin in their life, or, you know, God did this for a reason. He made them sick. Couple problems with that. One is Jesus said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and life more abundantly. All right? Very foundational verse. Secondly, and I can wait a little bit. We don't have a lot of time, but I can wait. Show me the places in the scripture where Jesus went around making people sick. Okay? Or show me the place where it says he was not the exact representation of the Father. Okay? Because Hebrews tells us he was the exact representation of the Father. Exact. All right, so it's got to be one or the other. We've got to find some places where Jesus went around making people sick and then healing them to say, hey, I can heal. All right, I don't think he needed to. There's plenty of sickness around without doing that. But instead, they, they asked this question in the way they asked it. And, and he, all he said to the question, he dismissed it with one word. He said, neither. It's not that. You, you know, you, you guys are off base on this. All right. So, so he comes down, neither this man nor his parent, parent sinned, but, all right, that word but is so key. And it's actually, I mean, it's the only word we have in the English for it, but it's a poor translation of the Greek word. This, this Greek word, it's a translation of a word that means on the contrary to what was just stated or in complete and total opposition to what was just stated. Okay, sometimes for us, but as a transition can just mean like a slight shift of meaning. This word doesn't mean that. It means 
I am absolutely with this one word saying that everything that was said before this is wrong. All right? In opposition to what you guys just asked. In opposition to what you just stated. All right? He was, he was about to give them a lesson in opposition to the theological assumption that God did this to this guy and it was the result of somebody's personal sin, all right? And that one word, but, in that text makes that uh, kind of change, all right? I'm going to give you a totally different perspective to this situation. Does that make sense to you, okay? So the word, the word but in this paragraph, it separates the ideas that were held by the disciples and what they had assumed and all of that from what Jesus is about to say and do. All right, it's an absolute demarcation. All right, it makes those two things. The two ends of this paragraph are totally opposing ideas. All right, and then he, sa he says, but that the works of God may be seen in him. All right, that, that word that, and some of your translations read this way, in, it means in order that. Okay, in order that. All right, because, but because, now listen to this. I know this is kind of technical, but you just got to get this. Because the word but is there, the word that is connected to the second part of the paragraph. Right? So he says, in order that the works of God may be seen. Wait a minute. We thought the blindness was the work of God. But Jesus said, in total opposition to that, in order that the works of God may be seen in his life, I need to do the works that the Father sent me to do. Does that make sense? I need to do what the Father sent me to do so that the works of God can be seen in his life. That tells us automatically that what you're seeing right now are not the works of God. Does this make sense? Okay. It's, it's really simple. We just don't get it in English until we... Until we Dig it apart. So, so he's saying, but, but in complete opposition to what was assumed in order that the works of God may be seen, he's saying very clearly that the work of God is not being seen in the blindness. And he says, I must do the works of him who sent me. And I want you to get that because we're talking about you are the light of the world, right? He is the light of the world. He gives light to us. We become the light of the world. He sends us out as the light of the world. And he's saying right here that in order for the works of God to be seen, I must do something. That word must is a really, it's an awesome word. Here's, here it is. That word must in the Greek language, it, he says, I must work the works of him who sent me. That word must means it is the inevitable nature of things that I must do what I'm about to do, that I must heal this guy of blindness and set him free. It is, the, it is the inevitable nature of things. It cannot be changed. This is who I am. It is my nature. It is the Father's nature. It is the inevitable nature of things that I need to break this blindness and set this guy free because that was not the work of the Father. Are you getting this? This is so good. This is just so good. All right, so, so he goes on and he says, 
As long as I, I can't find it on my page, but I know this is what it says here somewhere. Um, that the works of God may be revealed in him, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He, he says, uh, he's the light of the world. And the, the Passion Translation brings out this out from the Aramaic, that the idea of darkness in this particular verse has to do with the, the overall human condition. It has to do with humanity and, and life under the fall, apart from God, blindness. That's where the blindness came from. It's a part of the condition on the earth that God never intended. But here it is. And he says, and it, the Passion Translation says, I am the light that pierces human darkness. I am the light that comes into that darkness and transforms it, breaks it, takes over, uh, eliminates the power of darkness. And that darkness is the human condition apart from the, the life of God. So the natural result, that blindness was the natural result. So he answers the question, where the blindness come from? was a natural result of that human condition apart from God. And so he comes into this situation and rather than placing blame for it or um, he walks into the situation and he sees an opportunity. He sees the situation in a totally different way than the disciples saw. And that's what he can do for us every day. And that's what I've really been praying for is, Lord, I need to see our world. I need to see the choices people make. I need to see these different conditions, these different things that go on. I've got to see them from your perspective because there's so much barking out there right now. I mean, there's just dogs barking everywhere. You know, you know social media is just a sewer. It's just everybody giving their opinion and 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 99.999999% of it is not an opinion that comes from God. It's not an opinion that's even been prayed over. It's just barking dogs. Charles Neiman calls it barking dogs. It's just all this noise. But if we're listening to that, we can lose our flavor. We can lose, we can become like that. I don't want to be like that. I want to be able to walk into situations and say, Lord, who are you and what are you wanting to do here? And I want to see it from his perspective. That's what light does. I want to see... This whole thing, it was the result of this natural condition. And what I want to do here is I want to bring light into this person's life. I want to break the darkness and here's how I'm going to do it. And, you know, he, he mixes, what time is it? Oh, we're doing okay. He mixes his DNA. He spits on the ground. The DNA of God, I just see the presence of God in that. He mixes it with that, that clay of the earth, you know, that, that earth's condition and he puts that on the guy's eyes and he tells him, go wash in this pool, you know, called scent. There are some things there. He's sending that light into that guy's eyes and he's going to send that guy into some tough situations. And when the guy washes, he comes back and the, and the Greek there says he, he comes back and over and over through his whole conversation with the Pharisees and everything. He says, and I came away seeing for the very first time in my life. I came away seeing, you know, that could be true of spiritual blindness. That could be true of spiritual darkness in any of our lives. Fresh revelation from God about something we've struggled with forever. It could be true of physical blindness. So I'm seeing for the very first time in my life. There's just so much life in what Jesus did 
in this situation. But he's looking, he's seeing what God wants to do in that situation. And he comes in, and this to me is what being the light of the world, breaking the darkness, this is what it looks like. This is exactly what it looks like. And listen, all of us have some messed up theology. I know I'm going to get a bunch corrected when we're face to face. I'm sure. You know, all of us have some stuff, but, but let's not hold on to traditional thinking that maybe we've been raised with about God and about what he does and how he does it in the face of fresh revelation from the Lord that shows us something else from his word. We may not get it right away, but we can say, wow, that's different. Lord, I need you, you know, the preacher said it, fine. I need you to show me this, install this in me from your word. I trust you in it, Lord, to show me this stuff. Let's, let's let him break areas of darkness in us and send us out into these situations. You're going out, I'm going out into all kinds of situations. We're going to walk by all kinds of people. Jesus was passing by, saw this situation. Some of you are better at this, some of, it, some of us not. But I know for me, I can just become, I'm just, you know, I'm bad at it. I get busy, I'm doing stuff. I'm, you know, and I'm not looking around nearly as much as I should at people and situations and just taking, we've got to slow down. It's taking a little bit of time to say, Lord, what do you want to do right there? Do you want to do anything right now? Can I just say a prayer for this person? Do I need to interact with this person? We're out there to be salt. We're out there to be light. And that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. We get God's perspective, go into a situation, break the darkness off of this person's life and totally transformed his life. And the religious people got really mad about it. If you read through the rest of the chapter, they got really upset. Because this guy was saying, well, I don't know. Jesus opened my eyes. Well, we know he's of the devil. Well, that's odd because he opened my eyes. So it's kind of odd that you think he's demon possessed. He has this whole big discussion, gets kicked out of the synagogue. And Jesus finds him and talks with him and reveals himself to him. And he worships him. Anyway, great story. You can finish it on your own. That would be best. Let's stand up and pray. Did you get anything out of this today? All right, let's stand up and pray. And then we're going to release you guys into the, into the wild. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, snacks in between, but you know, ultimately released into the wild. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for who you are. And Lord, I thank you for speaking to every one of us. I believe, Lord, whether, whether through this message or through any other part of this time together, you always impart something to us. You always do. And we want to receive the things that you have said deep into our hearts, treasure them, cover them over. Lord, we want to go out into this world. We want to go out into our world as salt and as light and as leaven. And so, Father, I just thank you for, I thank you for the grace on every life in this room. Thank you for the encounters and the opportunities that you will be giving us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing up the words to speak, bringing up the prayers to pray. Lord, showing us how to do this. But Father, we make ourselves available and we go out, Lord, expecting to see light break darkness. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I'm really glad you came to church today. It's awesome. Nice summer day. Here you are. It's awesome. Let's say it on the count of three. We're going to say Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. 
we're going to be dismissed. And then, yeah, there's a lot of good snacks out there. We have some nice seating outside and inside. And hope you'll hang around and make some friends and enjoy one another. Okay, so let's say it on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.